All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Life Leadership in the Pursuit of Greatness. I'm your host, Tim Lovell, along with my co-host, uh, one of my great dear friends, Dwayne Mathis. He's uh, in central Iowa. Coach, how are you today? Another fine day here in, in central Iowa. Looking forward to you know our next guest here, uh, Coach Allbaugh. So. Yeah, we have a really distinguished guest, uh, uh, entrepreneur, owner of Chief Pigskin Online Football Clinic, Nate Elba is joining us. We're going to get to him in just a second. I got to tell a funny story. We were uh, just getting ready to come on here, Dwayne um, and Nate, and I uh, I have a pool in my backyard. And all of a sudden, uh, we noticed that the pool was dipping in the backside. And uh, so water was kind of going out. And so my brother-in-law and I uh, did the... Uh, did the WT thing and we got a we got a car jack out, got some two by fours, we lifted the pool up and we put some bricks underneath it and we didn't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife was helping us. We had two by fours on a four by four block on a car jack. Um, I wish we had videoed it. It was pretty spectacular. I I thought for sure I was gonna lose a foot or a hand or anything like that. But uh you know, Oh my goodness. That would have been like a great story if uh hey, we had to reschedule this because the pool blew out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we won't waste any more time hearing about my uh my stories, but uh we want to get to our guest, Coach Nate Alba is joining us from Champaign, Illinois. Uh coach, how are you? I'm doing really well today. It's another beautiful day. I'm trying to trying hard to enjoy summer. Yeah, that's it's a little bit different, you know, with everything that's been going on with the COVID and um, just the challenges that it presents. And you know, you've got a really interesting story, Coach, and we're going to talk about your your entrepreneur, Chief Pigskin, here in a little bit. But um, for those people that don't know you and what you're about, we'd love to hear your journey as to how you got to where you are. Well, I appreciate you asking. I always feel bad, kind of telling people about me. I feel like it's a uh, I feel like sometimes it can be boring. I hate to bore people. I mean, for the most part, I grew up as a coach's kid, was dying to coach, dying to coach. And I started coaching. I coached for five years of football, and I didn't I didn't pay attention at all. And I, when I look back now and I look at myself as a young coach, I'm just astonished at how little I learned in my first five years. I just wanted to run around. Apparently, I wanted to run around with the kids and uh, you know, chase my girlfriend on the weekend or whatever, whatever I was doing, I wasn't paying much attention. And finally I ended up as a, uh, by being a hard worker, right. Always around. And everyone knew how much I loved it. I ended up in a defensive coordinator role in the Chicago suburbs, right. I was 27. I was kind of a young up and comer quote unquote, but I'm telling you, I was so clueless. Um, and I got under a guy who, I mean, was really a stickler. And, and Todd Winter, he's a head coach at Evangel High School, I believe, now near Atlanta. Um, and wow, were my eyes open. I, I, it was like a whole new game. Um, I was just kind of introduced into the into what real schematics were and um, the the decisions you have to weigh between right. Uh, how much gain am I getting here by adding this? Right, because by adding it. My kids have to learn more, right? A lot of those types of thoughts that I'm telling you, I hadn't even thought about one time. Um, and that, and that's when everything changed. And that's when I decided, that's when I really started to love it, right? Because now your brain was really involved and, and the art of coaching became involved. Uh, and so a couple of years later, I was dying to be a head coach and I left Chicago suburbs to anyone that would hire me, which was the smallest high school that had been 0 and 9, right? In the middle of the state, the type of school where I had to look it up on the map when I saw the opening. My wife let me take it and um, hit the ground running coaching. And when I hit the ground running, I uh, had no resources. Like I, I told you, I had just been learning defense. I had no resources. So I bought $120 worth of championship videos and as an art teacher. And I said, this is, no, that's back in 09, right? You figure YouTube started in like 06, 07. So this is early uh, online video days. And I just said, I, I'm going to start something, man. So I started traveling with Chief Pigskin. I had no idea what it was going to do or be and just started traveling and, and getting opinions from guys. And it just kind of affected who I was as a coach. And after a long road, ended up in Champaign, which was the biggest city near where I grew up in Champaign, Illinois, and took the Champaign Central job. Uh, again, another program that had been 0-9. And, and, and uh, we had a really good thing going. This is a really good thing. We had an incredible staff. I think five of the guys that worked with us there are now head coaches. Uh, we, had, we were a very close staff. Those are still my best buddies in the world. We won a handful of games. Uh, had a, just a real strong culture. 
And that's really where everything for me kind of took off career wise. And, you know, just getting to the point where people actually wanted to hear what you had to say, right? It was a long road to get there and being there was a long road. Um, and you know, a lot of ups and downs, like everything you learn as you go and you, you fight a couple battles that were hard to fight. Uh, so went through, it was just a great experience. And as my kids came into high school, decided that the priority need to be where I wanted them rather than my coaching career. So I've, I kind of feel like I'm on a hiatus. I'm an assistant at Tolono Unity right now and thankful to be so. It's a Hall of Fame staff, a Hall of Fame head coach, play very good football. Um, but I'm telling you, I sit in the way back. You know, I mean, I'd love to do more, but they've got a great staff and it's, a, it's been a great humbling experience for me to sit back and almost get to watch a great program work from afar, you know, or maybe from up close. I get to real, I'm right there watch this great program um, operate. So that's that's been my road. I, I sure hope that one day I'll get a chance to lead a program again. Um, but right now I'm in a season of of humility, which every day is, a, is another dose of humility, right? I, well, I think when I prayed for humility, I really just wanted it a quick, easy pill and I'd be a more humble person. Um, and it turns out humility is a long, hard lesson to learn and I'm living it right now. And I, again, I, I, every day I try to be thankful for it, um, but it, it, every day is an actual is a challenge. It's another challenge in humility, um, but couldn't be in a better place to be learning this challenge while my boy, you know, plays varsity football and under some great people. Oh, that's that's pretty special, Coach. I mean, you mentioned Chief Pigskin. Uh, you know, can you talk? Uh, you kind of talked a little bit about your motivation, but uh, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, it sounds like Chief Pigskin's been around for a little bit longer than maybe I even realized it was around. I, I first came into uh, my my uh, forefront uh, when uh, Coach Lovell was on there and talking about uh, DBs, and um, you know, he kind of mentioned, "Hey, I, I got asked to." uh, you know, present on this. And, uh, you know, so I, I came across it then, but, uh, can you just talk about the history of chief pigskin and the motivation to want to start that, uh, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. on that. Well, motivation was twofold. Number one, I needed, I needed, uh, material, I needed resources. And I, when I looked out at what was made, I was looking at it. And again, I'm, I'm an art teacher by trade. I'm like, I can do better than this. So, you know, the video was bad. The lighting was bad and the sound was bad. And I'm like, but this isn't even good. I can do this. So I'll start, I just started traveling and, and that was that there was that. And I thought maybe if I bust my butt and do something good that someday it could make a full-time living for my dad who had been um, just out of teaching and is a restless soul and is just needing some purpose, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so that was the impetus and why I just got it going. And, for about five years, it was me traveling, throwing videos online, didn't know what to do with it. And right around 14, 15, people started asking me, do you have anything I can buy? And they're like, I don't have anything. It's just all there. Well, after I got asked that about the fifth time, I'm like, okay, I need to find a way to have a product, right? So then came several years of figuring out how do you, what do you do products-wise, right? I made my own video series and sold it, which was great. And... Um, but again, my goal wasn't to, it, it, my goal has never been a side hustle. My goal has been create a business that could have a full-time employee and that full-time employee will become my dad, right? So that, that, that has always been it. So, that, so I knew I couldn't just stop with like my own set of videos, put a couple bucks in my back pocket for summer vacation. I guess it's never been that. So I just kind of have always had to keep going and I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit. It's a ridiculous num amount of numbers because it hasn't been worth it financially. And I, I, but I'm like, I, I, I just, I just am so uncomfortable with giving up at this point. I'm telling you, I want to. This morning, I was driving the car thinking, maybe it's just time to go do something else. And then a second later, thinking about my dad, I'm going, no, man, I, I can't quit. I have to, I have to just keep going. Um, and so a few years ago, kind of started, you know, thanks to things like, like Netflix, thought, okay, you're going to have to go through a subscription service, right? So when it, it, it started as what it was in 09, and now in the last three years, it's been about this. I think that co what co information coaches have is valuable. I think coaches work their tail off. And I think that we all as coaches need to stop giving all our, our fundraising money every year to Nike for new uniforms and start pumping it back into each other and create a market for speakers. And the only way you can create a market for speakers and coaches and learning is to create a platform for coaches and learning. And so I'm just adamant about going out and I keep, you know, I, I pay speakers and 
Uh, a lot of coaches, too, are keep trying to give it back. Coach Level gave me money back a uh, month ago. I was trying to give him money, right? So I get it. You know, coaches, we're just used to, like, we want to share. Um, but I just really feel strongly I want to pay guys. So I always pay my speakers. Um, and the goal is to continue to pay guys, right? If we can – we got to – my – I really want to. I want to change the mindset of the high school coach and say I am willing to pay to – Hear from an from a man who's done this for a long time. That's a lot of hard working experience. I'll pay him. I'll pay. Him. I, have, I have a couple of bucks. I, I mean, I waste a lot of money on a lot of things. I mean, I spend two dollars a morning on my morning drink. All right. So um, I, I, I do. I feel a little bit like I want to change that mindset. And, and I'm telling you, I have made less money than every. I have not been the highest paid person in Chief Pigskin every year that we've done it. So <laughs> it's always some other coach that, whose video did well and. Uh, and so I make a couple bucks, but I have just at this point, man, I, I, I want to build something that's pretty cool. I want to build something that's a great resource and I want to build something where coaches are getting paid to speak. Um, and I, and, and so that's what it's become. I, I, I think that, go ahead, Dwayne, go ahead. No, I, I think that's, you know, very admirable in the sense of, I mean, you know, I know that there's times I look on YouTube or whatever for uh, a video that I'm trying to get more information on. And, you know, sometimes it's just really hard to, you know, I've, I've seen those, you know, I'm not trying to, to bash, you know, a, a video production company that we all know that puts out videos, you know, pretty heavily. I mean, but it, it isn't the best quality, like you mentioned, you know, and, and some of them you can tell are, are a number of years old. So it's just like, not that we're trying to reinvent the wheel here, but, to, you know, I want to feel like I'm, I'm getting, uh, up-to-date information, uh, whatever topic I, I have. And so, you know, I, you know, I applaud you for this. And I, you know, I hope that uh, other coaches see value in this as much as, as I do. I well, appreciate coach. that. It is an uphill road though, because it is, and we have to balance it as well on our end. You know, we've got a YouTube channel where we're putting out great free content. We've got free videos on our website. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I just don't want to stop paying guys. And so in order to pay guys, I got to charge something. I think we got a killer thing. We got a lot of great resources, um, and there are so many days where I don't. I want to just go. You know what? I'm done with it. I'm a, I, I'm a teacher and a coach. I mean, I'm, I don't feel like an entrepreneur, um, but you know, by the end of that same day, I look at what we got. And I'm like, this is awesome. I, I just got to keep going and quit being a baby. <laughs> well, it, you know, <clears throat> without giving the farm away, but how how can uh, people find that right now if they wanted to find? Um, you know, after our podcast, they go, man, I want to go see that Chief Pigskin. Yeah, pigskin I mean, stuff. just clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Clinic.chiefpigskin.com. That's right. Tons of stuff. Awesome. Well, I know the quality is, <clears throat> excuse me, is phenomenal. Uh, it's impressive the way you do it, and it looks amazing, the high definition and the production. Um, and I'll be honest with you, when I showed up and did it with you, I was like, this is it? But you got the – can be. It's amazing what you do. And I, I love the pride that you take in it. And I think that's um, that speaks to who you are, you know, based on just kind of what we're hearing uh, from you so far and the way that I've gotten to know you the last few years from our um, from our time together. I, you're an impressive person with, with your work ethic and your commitment to making kids better and your family better. Um, you know, that being said, Coach, talk about the influencers in your life. I know your dad is a huge one and, and you're motivated to, to do well for him. But what are some of the other guys uh, or women that have influenced you uh, to be where you are and to work the way you do? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, it's, it's first and foremost my dad. And uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy who came from the, the rough part of Peoria, Illinois, and uh, went to work in the, you know, he would literally, literally I'm not lying, seven, he would work 70 hours a week all summer long, every summer from 15 on. And uh, he kept zero dollars. I said, what did your parents do with the money? He said, I don't know. They needed it. All right. It was 10 hours a day, every day. He's always been like that. Um, and then he worked in a foundry for three years and he said, I think I want to teach and coach. So then he taught and worked at the same gas station uh, at night while my mom carried two jobs, right, with my, my older sister on her hip. And I mean, I'm telling you, my parents are just grinding workhorse people and they're not extraordinary in any way except that they will work and never say a word about it. And that's how they're extraordinary. Um, and I could never live up to that. I could never live up to that. And I feel all the time like I'm super lazy compared to them. Um, so they're without a doubt the biggest influences on me. When it comes to coaching, 
Man, influences are just those people that have been willing to work hard. Dan Gable, it has to be a huge influence on me. Um, I looked up to him so much as a high school wrestler and, and the way he coaches. Um, I, I try to learn a lot. on. Uh, there's a lot of coaches, just football coaches, that X's and O's wise have certainly influenced me. And the, the truth is, you know, I've listened to – I can't imagine a coach that's heard more presentations – in the last five years than I have. I'm sure there's a guy out there that has, but I think it would be pretty hard to do. It would just be hard to do, right? I, I sit there and listen to it while it's getting recorded. And then I listen to it while it's editing. And then I've got, so I'm really, every single guy that I hear, man, influences in some way, right? And so the kids sometimes joke, they're like, how do you have like a little story or a little anecdote for everything? And I said, we know that's one of the only advantages of being bald. It means I've been around <laughs> so many people at this point. There's so much just stuff up there that it comes out, thankfully, right? Thankfully, it comes out. So I, I think I'm just a morphed, just a, a misfit toy. That's all I am, just a misfit toy. I'm a restless spirit um, that I think probably works hard because I'm too scared to sit still. I, I think that's really what it is. Well, as you've, as you've been influenced by so many great people, and, and we're going to get into a little bit more of your, your time with the, the coaches, um, but how, how do you define a leader? What, what is a, what is, what's the definition in your mind of a leader? Yeah. I, I think a leader is uh, without so, – so there's people in positions of leadership, <laughs> and then there's leaders, and, and sometimes those two line up, right? And, and when they do line up, you got something really good. But – a really good leader, man, they listen when you talk. I think that's where it always starts. We used to have this thing when I was, I went to a, spent three summers at a Christian summer camp called Spring Hill, massive. But every week was the weekend rally with the staff. And the staff, we had these things called Spike Award, Awards, special people I know, right? So it was called Spike Award. And I'll never forget, a guy got up there, give away a Spike Award, and he gave it to another guy. And he said, I'm telling you what, he's the first person that when he says what's up to me stops and waits to hear how I'm doing right or that how are you doing when you ask someone how you doing do they stop and listen to how you're doing and I think that the first the biggest trait of the best leaders I've seen right I've been around a lot of coaches lately and listened to a lot and when I look at all the best ones of the speakers a couple things keep coming up number one they listen to you while you're talking number two they're really strong personality. I mean, it can't be mistaken. You know, the, the best head football coaches that I happen to have been around, um, if you talk, take all the coaches I've been around, strong personality, strong voice, and uh, are pretty clear about the very clear communicators. And the third thing, which is a little more football specific, is they've all been in the same scheme or very similar for a, a multitude of years. So what I see is very little change going on. Right now, there's always you're always going to be adjusting or adding to what you do, but they certainly have been doing one thing for a very long time. Um, so those are some of the things that kind of stick out. But I think that first thing when I think of a leader is that they listen when you talk, because at, at this day and age, and surely it's always been like that. Right. I don't want to pretend like things are crazy different now than they ever have been. Um, but you're certainly expected to listen a lot more and, and kids expect you to listen more than than you used to have to. And I listened more than I did when I was 27. Maybe it was just because of maturity or maybe it's because of all the influence, outside influences. I mean, look, even Disney Channel affects how coaches are expected to behave. You know, the Disney Channel, I always say that, right? A Disney Channel answer, right? Follow your heart. Everyone's about follow your heart. And, and I, I don't believe in follow your heart. I believe in just do what's right. It's, whether it feels good or not, usually it doesn't. If you follow your, so that's a side note, but I, I'm always going back and forth with these Disney channel, but Disney channels affected the way our kids behave and um, what they expect from us. And I could either, you know, continue to fight it or I do have to, I got to listen. I got to listen. And I do think there's a ton of good about listening to your kids. Right. And so we do listen. Um, but I'm also not afraid in some ways to say, kids, they'll say, what do you, what do your athletes think? And I'll say, I don't know. They're 18. Uh, you know, in fact, those are my old ones. They're 15, 16, 17 year old kids. Like they haven't thought about what we're doing in football practice today, at, not for one second over the last 24 hours. I, I have other people I'd like to get their opinion, but not my kids. 
Um, so I just went on a really big tangent. Um, all that to say, you know, what is a leader? I, I, a guy who listens, who speaks well, who's passionate about what he does. Well, I think that's – I've never heard it said like that before, Coach, and maybe it's because I haven't been listening. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about what is a leader, to say that there's people that are, are leaders and, and there are people that are in leadership positions but necessarily probably aren't leaders because they're probably not doing those things like listening to the people around them, uh, you know, and I, that's a pretty profound way to put that. So uh, I actually wrote that down. Uh, you know, the other thing, if I, if you guys don't mind, one other thing that I've noticed is that the best leaders are abnormally passionate about what they're doing. So all of us are drawn to energy. When you, when you get a guy, we've got a wrestling coach at our place at Unity, and we just got third place in state at, as a wrestling team. He loves wrestling so much that when you're around him, you believe instantly that wrestling is important, right? If, if you hang out with my wife, how important does wrestling feel? Well, never. You'll never talk about it ever, ever. <laughs> right? When you hang around with this guy, wrestling's important, and it just pulls that out of guys. Man, you just love it, right? It, that can come down to your school principal. That comes down to you in your classroom, right? Whatever situation. And then you need the when the, all those stars align. You got a person who is bold and strong and, and strong-willed and caring, and cares about you and loves whatever topic they've been asked to lead. That's when it, yeah. Those when all those stars align, that's the best leader you could find, man. So I do think that 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 abnormal passion, right? That abnormal because sometimes I think that might be part of it that I lack sometimes. All of a sudden, I'm strangely aware of how meaningless football really is. And that actually honestly takes away from, I think, how effective I could be on the field. So I have to go sometimes before practice, like put myself back in the role of how important this is, right? Because I know that energy is going to carry over the second I take the field. They got to see the guy that loves it the most. Right. Well, you're, uh, you, you talked about being an energy giver as a leader. And, and that's really what that passion is, in my opinion, you know, because when you when you show up every day, you got to go, OK, what is my purpose here today? I got to I got to lead. I got to serve and I got to I got to practice what I preach. And I'm willing. Am I willing to do that with energy? And and you've been around those teachers. You've been around those coaches who, OK, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to uh, we're going to go through cover two. Um and uh, corners, you're kind of squat here if you see that. And, uh, you know, I'd like you to really sprint to the ball quick. And, you know, you want to go, oh, my God, can we can we talk with a little passion and energy? Um, so I, I love the way you speak to that. It fires me up because uh, to me, kids need that. They need to they need that thermostat. You know, the, they don't need the thermometer. They need the thermostat guy that's going to raise the energy in the room. Right. And you know what? Energy, it can't, I always said fake energy turns into real energy. So I'll tell my coaches that all the time. It, it, fake the energy. It will turn real. It will turn. Don't try to change the world until it's real, but just fake it. And then when it's real, you can change things because it's not, the energy isn't always the volume of your voice, right? Sometimes you might think, oh, energy means be louder. Um, it truly, I mean, you think about how perceptive humans are. You know, so this is a strange analogy, but I'm an art teacher. So as an art teacher, there's all these rules about where the where the eyes go and where the nose goes and the mouth goes, right? And the variations between each human are, you're talking about sixteenths of an inch of difference of where our nose ends and where our mouth ends that makes us all look like each other. And a human can look at a person and, and, and recognize that person immediately, immediately without hesitation. That's how perceptive us humans are. And uh, all of your kids will recognize genuine passion Immediately, immediately. Um, so you have to you have to make sure that you are there. That my passion is genuine. That I do care about what I'm teaching. Because when you don't, you you cannot be effective. And and I've had times, and as I've gotten to be an older coach, where I can tell, like for whatever reason, I may not be feeling the. I can't. I'm not feeling passionate about this particular topic. I can't. I can't go out into a position of of try to change anything right now at this moment, right? I, I, whether it, that, you know, once or twice in my career being the head coach, it would be before a game. And I'm like, I don't feel anything passionately. I don't have anything I really want to say right now. So I'm not going to get out and try to fake this pregame speech. And I'll ask my staff, like, who, who really feels like they have something to say that's excited about something? And I'll let that guy talk, right? So a um, little side, side note there. Love that. Yeah, that's that's – that's awesome to hear. I mean, when you look at it, when you were in charge of a program coach and, you know, 
it doesn't necessarily have to be in charge of a program, but I think all of us coaches, whether we're an assistant or a head coach, have non-negotiables that we feel that have to be present for us to be um, a part of a successful program. So when you look at whether it's your time as an assistant in that role or it's the time when you were as a head coach, what were the non-negotiables that you had in your program? Well, effort, I think, is number one. Um, I've, I've, I'm very envious of people who have written books, and, that's not, and I've wanted to write a book for a long time. If I ever write a book, which I think it would be at least five years from now, but I think it's going to be about the big E. And for me, the big E is energy and effort. Energy and effort. I think this because as a as a self proclaimed extremely ordinary person, like I have an extremely ordinary brain. I get in. Uh, I need to make a big decision. I struggle to make it. Um, I struggle to think think critically sometimes. I might. Uh, I could be lazy at times. I'm just extremely ordinary. I'm like, how am I going to win if I'm that ordinary of a person? Um, and I think that you could really separate yourself and through a program, as a program, through energy and effort, right? So it's how do we carry over? How do we get you to give energy and effort, right? So when it when we th- first think like non-negotiables, the first place my brain goes is with my staff, right? Because I think that that staff is got to go staff, then them, right? So from that staff, man, no, non-negotiables are energy and effort for who you are. So we set up like some a couple parameters. Number one, when you come to practice, when you get out in the field, you've got to act you have to have high energy. And, and I tell them, if I ever ask you, are you doing okay right now? Right. I, I, what I'm telling them is unless some emergency is wrong, I don't really care if you're okay. What I'm telling you is you don't look okay. I need you to look okay. We're at practice. Okay. Now you could, it's at six 30 when we're done, I'll ask you how you're doing. And I want to hear an answer. But if we're at practice, I'm giving you forewarning. If I come up to you and say, you okay today, I am saying you look like you're not okay. And I need you to look okay. The second thing is that when we come to practice, man, we're here to serve, serve, man. So we are hustling around more than anyone and we get the equipment out, right? The coaches are getting the equipment out. We set it up, right? So we're here to serve. We want to make sure we're leading by that. And then we got, we set, again, all these little parameters, like the coaches aren't allowed to stand next to each other at practice. I like that. That's a dumb, that's a dumb little thing you might think. And coaches give me a funny look and you're every guy who comes in year one and like, really? No, don't stand next to each other. Well, why not? Well, that dude you're standing next to is probably one of your best friends in the world and life's happening. So what do you do when you're next to your best friend in the world and life is happening around you? Funny stuff. You talk to him, but we don't have time to talk right now. I mean, we don't need babysitters. We have a very specific job to do. Man, we got to coach our butts off because we are ordinary and our kids are ordinary. How do we have what chance do we have to take a step forward? And it's if we're all coaching at once, right? Because if we're both have staffs of 10, what if I can get all 10 guys coaching every rep, but someone else can only get two or three of his coaches coaching every rep? And I feel like there's an opportunity to get a step, right? So those are probably the biggest non-negotiables for us, right? It's, it's we don't, uh, another small thing is I never, I don't, I'll take volunteer coaches, but I won't take a part-time coach. Right? So it can't be like, I'm here on Tuesdays. I am here on Tuesdays, Fridays, um, because it, it, you, it has to, it's like full-time or nothing. Like I want to get you money, but sometimes I don't I have guys that I've had guys that volunteered and were full-time, but man, if you step on the field and you're a coach I want you to be seen as a coach by the kids. I want a, a legitimate coach. Like there should be no separation between paid and unpaid. It, you're a coach, man. Uh, and, uh, and we expect a lot, which is why I think volunteering on the staff that I've ever been a part of, would you'd have to be a crazy man. You have to truly love it, right? Because we're working our tails off. Um, but that work is contagious. And uh, you, I think it'd be funny. You, it, It's funny hanging around with some of our old staff because they know like – to be accused of the one who's lazy that day is like, like that's the worst thing that can happen, man. If, to be the last guy there before practice, right? You're you know, there early. To be the last guy there, you're going to get grief, right? And that was the was an atmosphere we were able to create. And, and hopefully that wears off, right? But beyond that, I mean, we're just trying to be good to people. You know, we're just, just be good to them. Um, I, I can't go much further than that. One of the one of the things that we've said in our program is, you know, it's okay to fake it until you make it, you know, and, uh, you know, because eventually you'll start believing 
what you you know you're you're giving off in that sense and you know i love the energy part of it uh um you know and as i you know look back retroactively at uh, some practices that i've had there's been lots of times i've seen you know two or three of my coaches huddled together and you know just you know talking about whatever it may be you know they could have been talking about sports center highlights for all i know i mean right but you know they're not coaching kids up at that point and that's one of the things that i I've, I've hammered home to, you know, coaches that have been on my staff is, look, we are not good enough to not be coaching every single play. You know, we need to be coaching at every single play after every single rep. You need to, you know, find a kid to coach up because, uh, you know, we're just not not to that point. And, you know, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we did that actually, uh, you know, I took from the very first or very uh, first varsity staff I was a part of is, uh, you know, when we walked out to the to the practice field, which was our game field because we had turf, is uh, they had like a, a walkway. As soon as you hit that walkway, you're jogging down. Every player, every even coaches are jogging down. Uh, I don't want any coach to be walking into into practice just because, you know, I want to set the tone as soon as they, they step on that turf that, you know, they're ready to, you know, to get going and, and why not have a little bit of a, a run to it to get a little of that energy flow going in that direction. So I think you're right on, Coach. When we come back from break, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking with Coach Alba about uh, what it's like to be a head coach versus an assistant. We can't wait to hear his thoughts on that and much more as we continue. Hey, welcome back from our uh, our brief break there. We still continue with Coach Nan Elbaugh here. Uh, so, Coach, you are certainly bringing the fire today and the passion, and, and we can feel it tangibly. Uh, we want to know kind of your thoughts on the difference of being a head coach and assistant. Is there a preference that you have? Um, you know, walk us down that path. You've been both, um, and you're currently an assistant, and you've mentioned a little bit about it, but speak to that a little bit if you don't mind. Well, the biggest difference – without question, is peace of mind. When you are an assistant, you get to have peace of mind. And when you're a head coach, you don't get it. I'm tell- I am I got to the point now where I'm – and I didn't really realize it mm-hmm. until I stopped being a head coach and now I'm an assistant. And I realized that's the difference. Now there's a trade-off. There's a huge trade-off. You could take peace of mind. But you don't get to call plays on Friday night. And you don't get your name in the paper, right? And less people want to talk to you. But that's peace of mind. Now you want the head role, which you guys have. You get some great – there are some great benefits, man. I mean you're talking about you play – it's like playing a board game, a great hobby where thousands of people watch you do your hobby. Like that's – who has that? How many people in America, in the world, have that? Where thousands of people watch you do your hobby where there's going to be an article in the paper the morning after you do your hobby. Nobody has that <laughs> except head football coaches. So it is an incredible uh, – it's a great thing. But there's a trade-off, and you will not sleep very well, <laughs> and you will always have a pit in your stomach for an entire season. The entire season, you will feel crappy to your stomach for one headache or another. And even if you're winning, then you're worried about a coach on your staff that you can't get him to quite give you what you need him to give you. And um, but you don't want to hurt his feelings. You got to have him, and he's your friend. And so there's all this stuff going on, and it never ends. So after 11 years of doing that, I had my kids coming up, and I kind of was welcoming a change of pace, right? And now as I've changed pace, I've realized so much of my heart desires to have that hobby back where people care about what I'm doing. But I've got a great trade-off and that's, I have peace of mind right now and it's easy. And, and, um, it, it, and it, but it's really made me aware of it, as a human, this goes beyond coaching, we get to make a choice as a human. We get the, the choice, and your choices are in life, peace or significance. It's a choice. It's not both. It's not both. You, you have to choose. Choose a path. Choose one. If you choose significance, stop seeking peace. Just accept the couple of hours of sleep that you get and, and try to be content. That doesn't mean don't work hard to be content. But there will not be peace, right? 
How much peace do you think Martin Luther King Jr. had? I mean, goodness gracious. The peace was, there no way the guy even thought about, my, like, my days of peace are over, right? So you have to choose. Um, and I think that that's what being an assistant has made me incredibly aware of and why I'm thankful right now to have four more years to make the decision of whether or not, when in the world of coaching, do I want to go back to significance or do I want peace? Right now, I'm, I'm anxious for significance, but I try to remind myself often of, the, of how hard it is. It's hard. It's hard. And that's why I continue to make content for coaches. I want to encourage guys. I mean, I want to say, dude, I, I feel bad for you. Like, I remember that feeling in my stomach. It's hard. It's hard. And the guy needs to be encouraged often to be able to continue on because um, as humans, we want, we, want, we want peace. We want rest. Um, and you need people around you that can tell you, nope, keep going because you can. Well, when I look back uh, selfishly here in my own career, uh, as you're talking about this, you know, I left a, a job at a, a 4A school to go be a head coach uh, at a, a smaller school. But uh, looking back on that, kind of like what you mentioned before, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. And there's no way I was ready in, in my professional career to be a head coach. And looking back on it, I shouldn't have been a head coach. I don't know why they hired me, to be honest with you. But what I did learn from that was a lot of things that I carry on with me to this day. You know, and I think that, uh, um, you know, a lot of coaches want that significance that you talk about until they get that significance. And then they're like, whoa, mm-hmm. I, did not, I did not want this. I didn't know that this, this, and this came with the job too kind of deal. And because uh, I can tell you, there's a lot of things that I didn't realize I was going to be getting into when I got into to being a head football coach. And, uh, you know, sometimes there is some truth to being baptism by fire. Uh, you know, sometimes you're not going to be prepared for it until you just get in there and start doing it. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, the most successful head coaches are ones that have, have been a part of a successful program and have seen, uh, you know, the path, how to, how to go and had uh, a head coach that's kind of taken them under the wing or they've been able to share things with them. So um, it's interesting uh, that you, what you mentioned there, Coach. When you look at uh, your chief pigskin, uh, you know, Tim and I were, were pretty uh, uh, curious to know, like, if you had a, a Mount Rushmore of chief pigskin, like coaches that you said, these guys were just not not to pitch you against other coaches or anything like that. And, you know, but every, you know, us parents know that we all have our favorite children. Right. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, if you had to say that these are three videos that you got to check out on Chief Pigskin, which one would you, which one would you pick or which, where would you direct us coaches to go to? Oh man, that, I mean, that obviously is very, very difficult because everybody, that, we've had so many good coaches and everybody's good in some sort of different way. You know, um, the guy, I, I visited one of the guys that spoke on Chief Pigskin. I got to visit his first hour strength tra- training class. And if there's anyone listening that runs a strength training class, I think if you don't get a hold of James Delgado at Riverdale High School in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, you're doing yourself a disservice. I watched the most incredible hour of classroom time of my life in the weight room, and I was blown away. I was blown away. And everything that's normal in a school happened. Kid, a kid came late. Uh, two kids came late, actually. A kid had to leave early. A kid, you know, like, so all the normal things, I get it, like, right, right, like, school is chaos. And I think too many people get comfortable in what they're doing, whether it's in the weight room or whatever, you're like, what I do is pretty good. I I get it, man. I've been around a lot of great coaches. But you're talking about if, uh, my opinion is, if you meet a guy who's listened to 150 coaches in the last two years, and he's telling you that one standing out, might want to go listen to the guy. And I'm telling you, James Delgado, his weight room time, extraordinary, extraordinary. And I'm telling you, it was first, and, and here's the cool thing. My kid, my son was with me and he got to kind of like, it was like the last day of school and he was only in eighth grade and we were visiting my sister and he got to kind of participate. Um, so he was kind of, you know, he just was in the back, but it was, I was so thankful that he got to see like this energy that was created 
But they were in their groups. Their groups happened right away. They hustled everywhere. And these two kids, this one group was in charge of calling things out. And it was first man, first set. And then the suck, his buddy would go uh, something like under, lift, go. And it, they went for 45 minutes. These two did that. Second man, second set. And about 10 minutes in, the energy was high. And he came over to me. He goes, watch this. We kind of got an unwritten rule. No music until you bring energy. And this, it was 7 in the morning. I mean, in Florida, school starts at like 6.50 or something. That's <laughs> like crazy. Um, and he hits the music. And now the music comes on for the first time. And you bring the energy they had. And you add good music. And it just, oh, my gosh. I was blown away. All the way down to, to cool down and warm up. Uh, cool down and put clean up. Wow. Wow, I, I, I have to recommend that people reach out to this guy. So he stood out in that way. Um, the funniest guy I've ever had, Jim McKee out of uh, Georgetown, Kentucky. He's at Scott County High School in Georgetown, Kentucky. He's a riot. He's a riot. He's a wing T guy. He's a riot. He's won a million games, played in state title games, won state championships. He's a riot. Um, and I guess I'll name one more guy that gets almost no publicity, and he might be one of the best coaches in the nation, a guy named Kyle Ralph out of New Palestine, Indiana. They've actually won two or three of the last four state titles. Uh, man, he's just playing good. But honestly, I could sit here and I could take the next 30 to 40 minutes of your show and tell you about this guy was extraordinary in this way, and this guy, it just keeps going. I love it. I think I think that's great, and and what a great plug for what you're doing. Um, you know, Dwayne and I are probably very similar to you when you're doing yours. We love hearing coaches speak. We love listening and learning and taking notes and going back and listening to it again. Um, you know, to your point, you know, Dwayne and I've talked about. Hey, let's let's get a you know thirty tips from thirty exceptional leaders. You know, and get it out there. Talk about writing a book and. How do you how do you absorb all of this information and remember it? Well, you don't. You just take it nuggets at a time and little pieces here and there. You can only take so much in at a time. But you know, we're getting, you know, I know this is not necessarily up your alley, but we're getting a free clinic, you know, you know, for for us yeah. and to help coaches try to be better leaders. And the X and O piece is such an important piece, but so is the leadership side because so many kids. Uh, like you said, when you were 27, man, you wanted the job. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, that's a little different than I thought. And so, you know, we love the idea of being able to give tools out. Um, you know, uh, when we, we were talking offline, Coach, um, and we've all been in this quarantine situation since the middle of March, COVID-19. And it's been a really great time for everyone to reflect, sit back, um, de de define what peace looks for each person. What does joy look like? Are you content where you are? Um, but curious what your takeaways, maybe three top three takeaways for you personally, you know, either as a coach or personally, um, you know, coming out of this quarantine, hopefully in August, we're back on the field playing football, back to normal, back to school. We don't know necessarily, but well, what are you going to walk away with that you feel like, um, have really helped you, I guess. Hmm. The first thing that comes to mind is uh, you can save a lot of money if you stop going out to eat so many times a week. That's the first thing that I noticed. <laughs> the first month, our bank account was so thankful uh, that we were forced to stay at home and cook. Uh, so that was nice. I, without a doubt, enjoyed extra time home with the family. I've also realized we're far too addicted to um, our screens. Mm. Uh, but the, the, I think one, the most positive thing that has come out of it in our lives is that we've taken the time to develop a new skill. And I think it was a, a great eye-opener for everyone who has always had something on their list they've wanted to do, and the excuse of busyness has always been there for them. So I think at this point, you have to, as a person, look back and go, did I make any progress on that thing I've been dying to do and have always said I was too busy. Because if you did not, then you are only making an excuse. You're never going to do what you said you wanted to do. Uh, so what is that thing for you? And, and you just have to ask yourself, did you work on it? Right? So there, I have two different instances in that of my life. Number one, I've wanted to learn an instrument. Did I work on this over this? I did. Like crazy. Uh, so I guess I have three. Number two, I've said that I want to grow Chief Pigskin. Did I work on it over this? Yep. Like crazy. Number three, I am adamant about learning Spanish. Did I work on that? None. 
no excuse, no excuse, right? And I feel so bad, but I have to look back and I go, no excuse. You apparently, Nate, do not want to learn Spanish. Mm. You had the time and you didn't work on it. So um, I don't know if that answers the question, but those are the yeah. things that come to mind. No, it certainly does because you make time for the things that are important to you and we all know mm-hmm. it. And that's a, that's, that's a, that's really stark reality that I, I appreciate you, you given to us. Dwayne and I, this is, this is our deal. This is our baby over the quarantine. You know, we developed this and, and talked to tons of coaches who have helped us get better. And, and the thing I think that's most surprising, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe Dwayne feels the same way is uh, how willing coaches are. What, I mean, what a, an absolutely extraordinary community we're, a, we're blessed to be in. Not only just to get to lead that next generation, but to collaborate with coaches who are willing to give you the time and knowledge. We've had some coaches on here. It's like, you've won seven state championships in a row and you're willing to just tell us like it is like, if you're not getting the support, go find another job. I mean, like you don't hear that from people like that just doesn't happen. Um, you know, so this is, this has been a really big thing for us. Um, you know, schematically I've spent a lot of time with my staff and that's been really good to develop that stuff. But this was, this was the one thing that really got me out of my comfort zone, quite honestly. Um, public speaking is always one of those things that you're just like, I'm not sure I'm really good at it. And then secondly, I'm sure you've had that maybe inner demon is, do people really want to hear what I have to say? And and do people really care the content that we're pushing out? And we're finding that, yeah, people like it. And I think you're finding that, well, you know people like what you're doing. Yeah, but you, the same thing for us, though, too, right? Is this worthwhile? Is this worthwhile? Um, but at the end of, of all of this, what you guys are doing, what I'm working on, is that really it's – self-development and you're, you're working on the, the things that we gain from it personally by listening. Um, it, it's pretty, it's pretty great. And that's really where the rewards are. So coach, when, when you, you know, as your job as an assistant now, when you, you say that your job is to talk to players and, and do seven minutes worth of backpedaling drills with them kind of deal. But uh, uh, you know, when you have a player that comes up to you and says, yeah, I'm just, I'm not wanting to do this anymore. I want to quit. But how do you approach that with them? Or even maybe you've even had a coach come up to you and say, I just don't feel like I'm valued on this staff kind of deal or, or my role on this staff. And how do you approach that with a coach or a player? What are your, what's your advice to them? That's a great question. You know, with a player, and I noticed this when I took the assistant job at, at uh, Unity, for the first time, at least from what I could remember, Kids were, kids were, they smiled when they saw me, like, what's up coach? And they would play around with me on the sideline and like, I'm on the sideline and coach is out teaching and kids were always like coming up to me. And I'm like, this hasn't been like this for 11 years. Nobody wanted to be my buddy. Hmm. Now all of a sudden I'm an assistant and they want to be my buddy. And it it just dawned on me one day at practice and I'm like, why are they all? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm not the head coach. Like I don't have to be the bad guy. I, I was just, it smacked me in the face one day at practice. And we were about two or three weeks in and I was, was honestly going, why are they right here by me all the time? Um, and so when I realized that, I, I realized, man, I'm in a different position. So when you ask me about a kid who doesn't feel valued, I honestly feel like that's one of my biggest roles right now. Like I'm in a position where I am not needed. 75% of the practice, I'm not neat. I'm not, I'm unnecessary. 75% of our practice, I'm unnecessary. I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, wh- how about I feed our program in a way that it, it maybe it wasn't getting fed or that it, it might be, I could feed, where could I feed it? And one way was just through the, like the relationships, man. So I know I'm looking out, honestly, I don't talk much to the starters. <laughs> I will find all those other kids that don't start. And I just want to talk to him and listen. And that same spike award that I started off this year sticks in my head. And I'm like, I want to ask how they're doing. I want to stop and wait because I'm not obligated to give every kid here a five. When I was a head coach, I went through the whole warm up line and said, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, right? You know, you can't stop. You can't stop and really listen to a kid. You have too much going on. You have too many. You got to get to all 80 kids or else because you're in charge. But I'm like, I don't have to get to all 80. And the starters they don't even care what I'm doing. I'm the safeties coach. You know? <laughs> so they, they're doing their, they're in their old world. They're the man. And so I got time to talk to all these kids that are just there. And uh, I want to try hard to make sure they, that 
that they hear me, right? And and so I'm trying to just feed them, just feed them, just feed their soul and give them some life and give them some un- hope. They they hopefully they understand that 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 they're cared about here, right? And so um, when they do say, if I had a kid that says I don't want to play, man, I think my first thought would would be, I, I understand, I understand, I understand. Maybe this isn't for everyone. Maybe this isn't for you. Um, but let's talk about what you gain by not quitting. <laughs> Right. That's where we're going to go. And we want to get there soon. But just try to understand and try to get it from their perspective. And, it, and I think that's been one of the biggest things. And, and, and I don't know, you know, I'm an easily excited guy. Right. And I can get excited. But I don't know if I'm ready to be a head coach again. I don't know, because it, it's so difficult emotionally. And I wonder and I feel, you know, I'm very aware of my weaknesses. I wonder if I can handle it again. And I know I'll survive it, right? Like nothing horrible is going to happen. But I can do it. Can I do it really effectively? Um, so I'm hopeful. I've learned from this. I want to make sure it, when I, if I ever get a chance to be in charge again, that I'm uh, deliberate about dividing these types of jobs up amongst my staff. That uh, I want to know specifically um, who's in charge of the back end of our team. Like who, who's because clearly your head coach is focusing on the front end of his team. How can he not? So I need a head coach for the back end. I need a, I need a, a coach whose primarily, primary responsibility is to think about our team backwards to front. Like, imagine that, right? And what would that look like to have a coach that's very passionate about coaching our team backwards to front, right? And now we're approaching it coming from both angles of our team here, right? So who is that guy? Uh, I think that's who, my main role right now amongst my team. So I think I could handle that well. When I was a head coach, if I had a guy, a coach that didn't want to do it anymore, um, I don't know that I'd want to talk him out of it. I don't know that I'd want to. I think I would ask myself that night, what, if there's anything that I'm doing that, that is forcing this, right? Am I being good to people? Because I've been known to choose some, some butt. <laughs> I, you know, I'm certainly far from perfect. Um, but is there something I'm doing that's making this unpleasant? Am I asking too much of these guys? I would ask that of myself. But if I had a coach to say he didn't, was thinking about giving it up, I would probably say, okay, man, thank you for being honest with me, right? And I, I think about replacing him. I don't know if I'd want to replace him because, again, it's so hard that you got to have a guy that wants to be there, right? You got to. You have to. You have no choice, right? And if you can't ask anything, if he came to you and told you that his heart wasn't in it and you let him stick around, how can you hold him accountable anymore? You can't. Hmm. He already told you I'm not giving you everything but you're accepting that you can't do it. Right. And so it might be one of the toughest things you do because he might really know the game, but you'd have to, I, I, you know, that's easy for me to say, I don't have a program right now. Right. I don't have assistance for me. So I'm, I acknowledge that that type of comment is easy for me to say right now, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, I, I think you allude to the fact that as a head coach and Dwayne and I have talked about this, uh, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I haven't done. Yeah. And if, if you can't handle the work that we're doing, uh, then you're you're damn right. This isn't for you because there are too many things that make this job unfun if you're not into it, if your heart isn't into it. Because you don't do it for the pay, uh, you don't do it for the easy hours. Uh, you do it for the lifetime relationships and the opportunity to change lives, and that's the value and the beauty of the game. And you get fired up because every week you get a new opportunity to redefine yourself. One of the things that uh, when you, you I hear you talking about that is. Um, you know, one of the first times I realized that a, a coach was not going to work out on on my staff, we were, it was after the game, and and we always, uh, I always, my wife and I would always wash all the uniforms um, to you know just because I wanted to make sure that they were getting washed properly, and uh, you know we were getting the, the most bang out of our buck, you know, since we spent all this money on new uniforms, and so the players would uh, you know bring their their jerseys and pants up and throw them in a pile jerseys in one side and pants in another and I'd always get a garbage bag after the game and, and put the jerseys in there and so after the game uh you know I was opening up the bag and putting the jerseys in there and I, I looked at one of my assistant coaches who was just standing right next to me and I said hey you, you want to grab that bag and and put those jerseys in there and he, he looked at me he's like no he's like, <laughs> and those things are disgusting I don't want to touch them and you know here I, I am as the head coach you know I'm doing doing something right along with them. And I just asked him if he'd do it. And so that, 
that told me a lot where he was as, as a coach and how invested he was in our program and, and, you know, talking about the people that you want to surround yourself with. And so, I mean, I, I think you're dead on in regards to that coach. Right. You really have no choice for yourself because again, we, we talked earlier about how hard it is, like your job, your guys's job right now, how hard it is, uh, and how, how, uh, how taxing it is on your spirit that if you don't have people around that are feeding your spirit, you will you will die of spiritual starvation. You will die. You so if you have to surround yourself with guys that are feeding your spirit, right? And you have to have them. And hopefully, I think if you're doing it well, you're making sure those guys realize how important they are to you, right? And, and that you're saying thank you, right? You got to push them, but man. Guys, thank you because I, I need you, right? And, and so hopefully they know that. You also made a really. I've never thought about having a, a head coach for the the back end like that before, and and that's I, I wrote it down, and uh, that's that to me is pretty profound. And I've never thought of it that way. And I, you know, I thank you for opening my eyes to seeing something like that because I think it is a vital piece of a, a success, successful program to have coaches that are willing to look at their role in that regard. Well, yeah, we, you know, that was the only, um, sorry, coach. I, I was just going to say that only happened because I ended up taking this assistant role. I don't think I would have done it. I was sitting around and I'm used to being constantly busy at practice. And I was sitting around unbusy going, what do I do? Literally just looking for significance is what I was looking for, looking for. And I thought maybe this is it. Um, Hopefully I'm doing a good job, um, but that certainly has been the, the part that I can tell right now. That's an area where I can help. And then it made me aware that I thought, well, shoot, if I ever get in charge again, I got to have a guy that does this. We, we had a coach on early in our podcast, uh, Jared Collum up at Northland. He's got, a, he's got his scout team. He calls them the BOR, best of the rest. And they take a lot of pride in that, and they give T-shirts out. And um, I, Dwayne and I really like that concept because it, you know, it it gives those guys a purpose. And we try to honor our guys every week in in our deal. You know, uh, Gold Team Player of the Week on offense and defense, and get them stickers. And you know, this this year they're going to get a difference maker T-shirt. And um, you know, but having that back end coach, man, that you talk about someone that can fire up and coach kids uh, that need it because a lot of times, you know, if you're if you're if you're either on the good end of a win or the bad end, you know, that's when kids get some experience that maybe they wouldn't get otherwise. And, and you want kids like that to be fed. I love it. So coach, as, as we start to, to wrap it up a little bit, um, I think you've, you've identified some things you've really done is, and grow as a leader. And um, we, we love to read Dwayne and I, and, and so we're always curious to know what the people we have on are, are reading. So, you know, what are, what are some, books that have impacted you um and what are you reading now um that you could recommend to people that are listening well i would guess i would say i don't read enough honestly uh i need to read more however impactful books for me impactful book uh, the first most impactful on my coaching was gates of fire mm. which is a very well written book about the uh, 300 spartans and their battle at thermopylae at the gates of thermopylae uh, but King Leonidas affected me because there's a part in it where a wall had to be built and an actual wall out of stones. And the guys were arguing about how to build it. And then all of a sudden they said, you know, swearing at each other, look, Leonidas is building the wall. So the king Leonidas is over there and he literally just started picking up rocks and putting them there while his men were arguing about how they were going to get it done. The king started just putting it right. And put that up against who they were fighting, which is the Persians, and Xerxes was carried in on a throne and watched the battle from, a, from up on top of the mountain. Leonidas fought it from the front. I think that it's impossible to read the book without it affecting you as a coach, right? So I want to make mm. – that certainly affected me. Um, I'm currently reading Killer Angels, which is about uh, the Civil War, and I am only about uh, 20 pages in and already it just, it's so cool to these generals were going to talk about guys who led significant lives as the, you know, a lot of them is the end of their lives and it was, it's incredible. Um, and then this winter I read well, right before COVID um, it was called, wow. Now, now I just forgot the name of it. I'm going to remember it literally as soon as we get off the phone, but it was about uh, the concentration camp is by Ellie Wiesel. Um, about and he survived uh, a he survived the Holocaust and you 
just humbling, just humbling when you realize, you know, that I, re- reading those types of books are just really good for you because it makes it very hard to complain, very hard to complain. And you realize what some men and women have had to live through. Uh, yeah. So those are the things that, that, that come to mind for as far as books that affect me. I love it. Those are, those are, uh, those are phenomenal because, you know, a lot of them are, you know, lead for God's sake, legacy, the slight edge, things that we've really been impacted by, but these are, these are life books and and things that happened in historical reference. And, um, Dwayne, you're speaking his language. He's a, he's a history teacher and I love history. I don't teach it. I, I teach effort going back to the initial conversation. I teach PE, but I really call it teaching effort yeah. uh, because that's the life skill that, that helps you get the job and, and keep the job and move up in the job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about the skill. It's about the behavior. And, uh, when people get hired, they get hired for the skill and they lose the job for the behavior. So we want to teach behaviors like effort that make you a great person. So coach, uh, fired up to have you on today. Um, is there anything you feel we've left off? Is there, is there anything that you feel you need to get off your, your heart as you, as you get an opportunity to speak to other coaches in a little bit different area? I don't know if anything jumps out. I I do. I would hope that to encourage people and I hope that they know how many people are out there that are going through what they're going through when it comes to coaching and leading. Uh, It's difficult. It's difficult but I think that just try to enjoy it when it's good because it's going to be tough. Just don't be. Just make sure that when it's good, you enjoy the heck out of that because you earned it. You earned it. You're doing the hardest job on earth, which is leading. Um, so when you get some glory, man, soak it in. It, when that newspaper article comes out that's pumping you up, don't shrug that off. I mean, cut that out and post it somewhere in your office. You earned it. You deserve some glory. So don't be afraid to revel in it a little bit. Even if it's just with you and your wife at home, revel in it a little bit, man. That's hard. Well, that's, that's awesome perspective, coach. I mean, one of the things I always did is I always cut out all the articles in our, our paper and I laminated them. I put them on our, our wall in my classroom. And, and kids would always ask me, like, why do, why do you cut out the articles of the games we lose? And I said, because they're a part of who we are as a, as a program. I mean, I'm not going to shy away from tough games that we had or, you know, challenges that we may face because, you know, those are our, our biggest potential for, for growth is, you know, those lessons that uh, even the tough ones, you know, so. It's that, you know what it is too. I, when you look at it, when you look at it from afar and all the people that are considering giving up coaching or getting out of it because they're, they want peace. But you think about that, that fourth quarter when you call timeout, and they, your kids come over to you, man, you're in that huddle and you got stuff going on in your ear and things are loud and chaotic and you can hear the student section. And the night is perfect because it's fall in America. And this is all happening right now. And you have to make some huge decision and everybody's into this. Like that moment, if you could bottle that moment, it would you would be the richest human on the planet. Elon Musk, you know how much money he has? The Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, you know how much money he has? Dude, give that dude 75 of the most beautiful women, the most beautiful houses in the world. He still can't have that moment because the only way to have that moment is one whole year of misery. Mm. Live the year of misery and you get to experience that moment. And that's it. That's the only way to get it, right? So just remember that, man. The next time you're about to – you think you might want to give it up, that moment, whether you win that game or not, whether you made the right call in the huddle or not, you got to live that moment. And that's a moment right there. That's a moment where when I look back, man, I feel good about growing old, retiring, laying on my deathbed. It'll be scary. Listen, it is what it is. Life's hard. But I think when I look back, I go, what more could I have done? Like, like, I felt excitement at the highest possible level, right? I've loved the family, loved the woman and had a little bit of success and have, have lived this life as a common American man. I could feel pretty darn good about it. I can't, I can't say anything that's going to make that any better. <laughs> Amen. 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 Right. My hands are up in the air, man. You are <laughs> preaching. You are preaching. Well, I know you're a man of faith anyway, so I appreciate that. Well, I'll tell you what, if you uh, haven't enjoyed this hour, you're not breathing. And uh, we are better because of uh, Coach Nate Elba spending time with us, owner of Chief Pigskin. Check him out. Um, Coach, can people email you? Is there a way yeah. people can email you? Of course, all the time, man. CoachAlba at gmail.com. A-L-B-A-U-G-H. A-L-B-A-U-G-H. Got it. All right. 
Well, we, we know that we got to learn to be better listeners. We've got to be strong in our personality and we got to be consistent. And that's what it's about in, uh, in terms of Coach Alba's vision of leadership. So let's keep chasing life, leadership, and the pursuit of greatness in everything that we do. Have a great night. Thanks again for checking out our podcast today and sticking around to the end. Dwayne Mathis and I are so grateful that you decided to stop by. Just a reminder to rate, review, and Subscribe to our podcast on any platform that you use to listen in. Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. If you have any questions, please be sure to send us an email at lifeleadpg at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, about topics you want to hear regarding leadership. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We post videos every Sunday and recap the podcast that we had the previous week. Great opportunity to get a quick hit of what we're talking about. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss an opportunity to get better as a leader. And as always, let's keep chasing life, leadership, and pursuit of greatness in everything that we do. Have a great night.